Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Zach, when you, when you look at the tape of Jamar Chase, kind of what, what jumps out at you? He's a, he's a primary receiver in this draft. You know, he, he does a lot of things really well. <clears throat> and, you know, he certainly, uh, uh, when you watch the tape in 2019, it's fun to watch Joe play again. Is his connection to Joe a big factor, Zach? No, it's one of the things that you weigh in. You know, it's, it's certainly, we, we take in a lot of factors on, um, you know, their production on the field, their character, their, their football IQ. Um, you know, just what, what they bring to our locker room and what they bring to our, our team as a whole. Um, relationship with the quarterback, that certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, but that's that's just one of the many things that we weigh in. I never knew how well-groomed Zach Taylor's nostrils were. <laughs> Extremely well-groomed. Yours are, By too. Virtue, that tight shot. That <laughs> tight shot. If I wasn't plugged in to the IFB, although unlike you, I am able to unplug it and replug it. You're I would have walked up and got my face right in the camera. I was inspired to do that watching the Zach Taylor. Thank you. I'm glad you uh, did comments. So Jamar Chase, there is definite steam. You know, it was Penny Sewell, the Oregon tackle, penciled in to Cincinnati at number five for a while. That pendulum has swung hard the other way. Jamar Chase, there's now a feeling, is the guy, the LSU reunion between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And there it is, another mock draft with Jamar Chase going to the Cincinnati Bengals at number five and Sewell dropping down to number seven, biting kneecaps for Dan Campbell in Detroit. Right. Well, I could see that. I mean, you know, again, that's Dan Campbell, Anthony Lynn. They'd believe like in physicality, running the ball, right? Campbell came from the Saints with that big hulking offensive line, has the Parcells background. So that's why I went with that with Detroit. But, yeah, that number five pick is interesting. It definitely is. I was disappointed yesterday to see Peter King had Jamar Chase there too. I thought I was going to be kind of like, you know, rare that way. But uh, I've heard that in the Bengals organization, this is a real discussion between these two right here. And I was – I won't lie. I was a guy that was a week ago, 10 days ago, going take Penny Sewell, protect Joe Burrow – 
you know, you're in the AFC North with all those pass rushers, everything like that. That's the right thing to do. But when I had to finally sit down and do my mock draft and play GM of the Bengals, I just came away going, all right, yeah, you could go Penny Sewell and get the receiver uh, and get uh, the receiver at the top of the second, or you could get a superstar receiver and still get a good O lineman at the top of the second. And that's where I decided to go like, wait, a superstar O-lineman doesn't change an offense around, but a superstar wide receiver does. And you can build a good unit as far as an offense aligns together without one being a superstar. And I think that's what swayed me. And I just went, you know what, go ahead, do it. It makes sense. He's too special. He's too explosive. You know, he stayed in shape, what you saw in the pro day. I mean, really, Jamar Chase was the best receiver in last year's draft, like we talked about yesterday. He would have been the best receiver in last year's draft. He would have been drafted before rugs, everybody like that. He's got superstar written all over him. I think that's why you can't pass him if you're the Bengals. And you throw on top of it the idea that Joe Burrow knows him so that's well. That's right. Played with him so well. Right. And, I, I, you know, last week when we played the comments from Joe Burrow and he was very uh, noncommittal. Diplomatic. About, right. about – Chase versus Sewell at five. You could interpret that to mean he wasn't stumping for Chase. Maybe he doesn't want Chase. The reality is he's probably said everything he needs to say. That's right. Behind the scenes. And they right. still have to worry a little bit, a little bit, that maybe the Falcons decide to go Jamar Chase at number four. You can't let that fire get too far out of control in Cincinnati for Chase because that could make the Falcons say, well, you know what? We're getting rid of Julio Jones anyway. Yeah. We're ready to give him away. Right. Let's make Jamar Chase, not Kyle Pitts, the next weapon in our offense. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that'll that be interesting. That would be interesting. And, you know, it does make you think a little bit with Atlanta and the Julio, you know, on the on the trade talks and all everything like that. But uh, I think it makes sense. You know, for the Bengals to make this type of move. Chase, you know, the, the thing about Chase is really, you know, physically, there's just nothing he can't do. He can beat you deep. He plays bigger than his size, 50 50 balls for a guy his size. It's unbelievable how he comes down with it almost every time. And then I think what's really special about him, too, is he can improve as a route runner, but it, it doesn't even matter because he gets open because he's so explosive and quick in short areas. And then with the ball in his hands, Mike, that's where he's just a little different than the rest of the group because he can break tackles, he can break your ankles, he can make you look silly and do all that type of stuff or just beat you with pure speed. I mean, it was a special connection with him and Joe Burrow, as good as we've ever seen with any in college football. And uh, I think that's why you just can't pass it up if you're the Bengals. And if they do it, I respect their willingness to forget about the mistake that was made with John Ross four years ago, not be yeah, scarred yeah. by that. Two different guys, two different skill sets, right. two different drafts, two different ceilings, two different floors. And uh, and also, quarterback who knows the guy extremely well. And uh, so I'm coming around on that as well, even though it's safer to go with Sewell. Yeah. You, 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 you become a team that is a high-end contender in one of the toughest divisions in football if Jamar Chase has a Randy Moss type of an impact on the NFL next year. First, got to get Burrow healthy, too, to make that happen. All right, you have a trade. A quarterback-needy team that traded for Sam Darnold trading down to get more picks from the Washington football team, which springs up 11 spots from 19 to get North Dakota State's 
Trey Lance. That would be something, and that would probably get quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, the current Washington football team starter, to say more than a few F-words, not football team or Fitzpatrick. Right, you're, you're right. Yeah, you know, Trey Lance being pro-ready, it would be less threatening for a guy like Fitzpatrick than it would be for, like, Tua last year and things like that. I, I would say that. But, yeah, it would be that same sort of situation. Listen, I'm one that I am not a believer that Carolina will take one of these quarterbacks sitting there at number eight. I mean, I, uh, there again, I, I look at it and go, wait, they, they coached Mac Jones in the senior bowl, right? There was rumors that they were looking to trade up in the draft a little bit anyways. And then the 49ers trade and the rumors are it's Mac Jones. And I don't think it's any coincidence that a few days later, you see them make a move for Sam Darnold. I think their guys, they feel like is gone. So I think they're going to look to trade out of that spot. And you know, Washington, of course, has a need there. And I know there's some teams that are hot on Trey Lance and think he can be maybe the next Josh Allen and that type of stuff. And Washington, a team with the need at the at the position, you know, the proper formula as far as what's there right now. And I just look at, like, um, uh, you know, Ron Rivera and Turner, Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, and think they have some history with a Trey Lance type of quarterback in Cam Newton. And that could work with the way their team set up. So that's why I ultimately, you know, kind of pulled the trigger there with that type of trade. I always root for chaos. You mentioned Mac Jones and how the Panthers were maybe trying to finagle a trade to get him. Maybe that's what put pressure on the 49ers to pull the trigger when they did. I, the chaos would be the 49ers taking someone other than Jones and then what are the Panthers? Yeah, right, right. If their guy ended up like if Mac Jones was their guy and now he's ended up there on the you're right. That would be uh that would be pretty interesting. I envision that though, still, if Mac Jones falls in my heart of hearts, where okay, let's say the 49ers take Trey Lance, I still don't think Carolina will do it. And I think then when we get to eight and nine, that's when you I I, I would say that's when we see New England maybe make a play for a Mac Jones and get up there and get him. That, that would be, if that did happen, would be my scenario, like mock draft 2.0 for that scenario there. Or, or seven with the Lions. You, you can or, have Matt Patricia call his old boss and try to work on a trade to get the Patriots in position to, to jump in front of the Panthers just in case. Yeah. Because, I, I, right. hey, we talked about it last hour. Yeah. Owner's got a big say. In Carolina, owner's got a big say. Mac Jones is there at eight. David Tepper likely saying, why are you even asking me? Of course we're taking Mac Jones. We'll worry about Sam Darnold later. This is part of our plan. We didn't pick up the option on Darnold for a reason. The reason was maybe Mac Jones was going to slip through the cracks and we were going to get him. So that part of it, potentially fascinating. All right, um, let's let's take another look at, uh, at what you have in your mock draft. How about number 11? You do have a Patriots trade up a few spots. Now, Peter King had the Patriots sitting put and taking Devontae Smith, you've got the Patriots jumping up to get his teammate, Jalen Waddle. I do. I mean, again, the Patriots, hey, there's, there's not like, I think, one position I look at on their team right there to just go, oh, man, you know, they need this one guy. Uh, I don't think they're going to be in the market for any pass rushers. Might be that might be available there at that er, you know area. From what they did with Matthew Don, they still got Chase Vinovich on the edge on the other side, and they're not big into like pass rushers anyways in the first round a whole lot. So yeah, I look at Jalen Waddle. It's just 
too, too special of a football player, and for the offense, they want to run for whoever's the quarterback going into the future. I just think Jalen Waddell is like, yeah, he can fill that Julian Edelman void of all those underneath option routes, jerk routes, and all those type of things, let alone he's a weapon on top of that. So you got a guy that's a great route runner. He's more slot-oriented, but, man, he's got big-time, big-play ability. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one I, I, I don't know. I just took a shot in the dark. I, I could see the Patriots being in the market for one of these Alabama wide receivers. I got two points to make yeah. before we slide past this. One, there's some noise out there that the Giants are actually looking receivers, so maybe they would take Waddle under that scenario, which I, I, when I heard it, I said, oh, what do you think they got Kenny Galladay? They got all this. Why would they want to – just there's yeah. some noise out there that maybe receiver is where they're looking at number 11, so we shall see. Another one, too, if we can show the – 9 through 16 card. Something I was told very reliably. And, you know, as you get closer and closer to the draft, you have the people you trust, the people you don't trust, the people who kind of fall in the middle. This comes from someone that I trust who has proven over time to have an incredible understanding of how the board is going to fall. Can we look at Sims 9 through 16, please, when we can pull that up? I'm told that if when the Cardinals are on the board right. at 16, right. If Jalen Waddell is gone, as he is under that estimation, if Patrick Sertain is gone, as he is right. under your mock draft, if J.C. Horn is gone, as he is under your mock draft, the pick at 16 for the Cardinals will be Tulsa linebacker Zayvon Collins. Ooh. Write it down in ink. Ooh, I, I, that, that's interesting. I mean, listen, they they could use somebody in the, the, middle of their, in the middle of their defense in general. That's why I got Christian Barrymore, because I came away with them just going, you know, you know one – they got Isaiah Simmons. He's this ball hawking, going to be around the middle of the field, middle linebacker. You know, added that with like, you know, Jordan Hicks, who's there on the roster. But run defense was their issue in Arizona last year. They got to get better at that type of stuff. I'm a big fan of Zayvon Collins. That'd be interesting. That really would be. I, w I didn't really think about that match there. But Collins is, I mean, as big as he is, athletic as he is, he could do anything as far as that's concerned, and he's got a lot of versatility for that Vance Joseph, uh, Vance Joseph defense. So that's that makes sense. I get that. 6'4", 250-pound linebacker. He said not that long ago, guys built like me play edge rusher. I mean, there's no comparable. Brian Erlacher is the only real comparable, and that's a high ceiling for this guy, but he played quarterback in high school just like Erlacher did. He's versatile. He's a playmaker, and he's kind of flown under the radar 16 is his ceiling if those other guys are gone. Sertain, Horn, Waddle. If they're gone, watch uh, Zayvon Collins become the next member of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, Justin Fields. Where is he going to go? Where is he going to land? Let's see the next page of the Chris Sims mock draft. He's got four quarterbacks gone in the top 10. There's 17 through 24. I think Chris forgot about Justin Fields. Chris, <laughs> explain yourself. Well, I, you know, I got here to this area, right? And let's just leave it here for a minute, you know, with this page, John. You know, okay, so, yeah, I got him falling, as you could see, with Justin Fields. I got through, you know, the 10s for the most part there, and I, I couldn't quite find a match. I know the Patriots, some people think that. I don't think Justin Fields is the Patriots type of guy. The Patriots have a keen eye for throwers, and I got to think Justin Fields' issues jump out to them. Then you go to the other teams. All right, Washington, we know they made the trade. The Bears at 20, Mike. 
I mean, do you think the Bears, do you think that I, this is where I didn't know, but do you think the Bears have the green light to draft a quarterback right now? I, I would think they don't at pick 20. Why? So they can put themselves in the same situation that they just did with Mitchell Trubisky, where some, like, the next group of guys comes in and has to deal with a quarterback that they didn't pick because the prior regime did that? So that's where I had a hard time thinking that. And then I got to Pittsburgh at 24, Mike, and I decided to go the all-in on one more year with Big Ben type of thing, and they get the center from, from Alabama. So that's where, yeah, on this page here, no Justin Fields. What do you think? Tell me your thoughts. I think the key in Chicago is Ted Phillips, the president of the team. If he is finally on the hot seat, if he is finally going to be accountable for revolving door of GMs and coaches that haven't gotten them to where they need to be for the past 22 years, then maybe he's got some sway to buy some time for everyone and say, let's go ahead and take a quarterback and let's give these guys, they've been to the playoffs two of the last three years, let's give these guys a chance to groom a quarterback. Let's give Matt Nagy the chance. Let's give Ryan Pace the chance, even though he's the one that took Trubisky trading up to get him. So that that to me is the wild card in Chicago. Right. But I agree with you. that That's a conversation. You know, you had Washington trade up to eight to get Trey Lance. That's not something the Bears are going to get the clearance to do because they don't know so, who's right. going to be there. Right. And you're essentially agreeing to keep the coach and the GM around for multiple more years if you do something like that. So, I look, I, I just think that once you get to that third page, 17 to 24, that's when you start seeing somebody spring up to get fields if he's still there. Yeah. That would be my thought. Right, right. And then, you know, that gets into – you know, who would that be at the end of the first round? Is it, is it an Atlanta? Is it the Detroit Lions? Something like that. Spring, you know, springing up from the end of the start of the second round to jump up there and do that. You know, that's where it gets really interesting. And as you can see here, you know, really there's no quarterback needs with any of the teams 25 through 32, except for the team that's perfectly built right now and has no needs at all and maybe can look to the future. And... You know, I always said Justin Fields to the Pittsburgh Steelers would be a great thing for him because he could sit behind Big Ben and all that. Well, I found one that's better. Justin Fields to Tampa Bay and work on mechanics with Brady, a guy that actually knows Ooh. that type of stuff and do all Ooh. that. That's ultimately where I ended up going. I just don't think they would pass him up if he was sitting there. Now, would, would there be the same reaction as there was in Green Bay last year if the Buccaneers used a first-round pick on a quarterback? Probably not. Probably because, not, right? Cause like, because, yeah. Brady's got two more years. Right. Right? He right. said so. Yes. He's got two more years. Right. And if for some reason he sticks around longer than that, oh, well, Justin, <laughs> you go ahead and continue yeah. to sit on the bench just like Jimmy G did. It, it's not going to be like it was in 2014. In 2014, it pissed him off when the Patriots used a second-round pick on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he'd understand yes. if Fields makes it all the way to 32 and they say, hey, we, you know, we got to run a team after you retire, Tom. And if you do only have two more years, come on. What, what, what do you expect yeah. this to do? Yeah, I think he could get his head around that completely. You're right. It's a totally different scenario from what he was involved with Jimmy G. It's a totally different scenario from Rodgers and Jordan Love. I mean, again, the writing's on the wall. Brady's still really good, but we know he's not a top-five quarterback in the league or anything like that. That's where it's different from the Rodgers-Green Bay situation. We knew he was a top-five quarterback, and you're going, wait, what? You're taking a quarterback? And he's got a lot of years left. Like, there's been no talk about the end in sight yet, and we're still drafting a quarterback, huh? That's where that one's weird. So, yeah, you know, again. But, I mean, I'm with you too, Mike. I, I mean, I guess the, the, the reality of the situation is if he gets to, like, 23, 24 to that area and nobody's drafted him, 
then I do think it becomes a little bit of that conversation of, okay, what, what team maybe in the top 10 does look to trade up and get into the end of the first round and, and, and steal Justin Fields away? That's going to be interesting. But I, I, I envision him falling. I really do, and we'll see if I'm right. And if you're the Buccaneers and you could get someone's 2022 first-round pick to move out of that 32nd spot and go down, yeah. I don't know how many spots, go down 10, 12 spots, that 2022 first-round pick is valuable because it's normal scouting rules, That's right. hopefully, next year. Um, how do we get here, though, where you know Justin Fields has that great game against Clemson, gets blown up, sir, in the first half, is just throwing dimes in the second half and and blows Trevor Lawrence's team off the field. How does how does he slide all the way to thirty two? That that's just astounding to me. Well, you know, again, I don't think we would have sat here and thought Lamar Jackson would have slid to thirty two either. And I would sit here and tell you Lamar Jackson was a better prospect than Justin Fields. I had no questions about that at all. You know, so I, I think really, again, there's a lot of talent there with Justin Fields. I think everybody likes the guy, the human being, but I go back to the the base thing I said. Some of the issues throwing, I would think, are they're they're scaring teams. There's no doubt. There's very few people in the NFL who really know anything about throwing the football and who can really teach a quarterback the right things to do or how to fix certain things. And I know that's hard for people to believe, but I am telling you. There is very few people in the NFL that have any clue about that stuff. That's why you see a lot of these quarterbacks, they go work with other people. That's because their coach doesn't really tell them that type of stuff, some basics and all of that. And with Justin Fields' issues, they're, they're, they're big for somebody like me who's into the quarterback technique and all of that type of stuff. And I... Even for me, a guy that I know I can teach it and have been doing this for a long time with my dad and my brother and all that, I would worry if I could fix Justin Fields, let alone if I'm not a guy who doesn't know anything about it. Can you correct all those issues? I think that's what's going to scare people or is scaring people about Justin Fields. What's the main thing that needs to be fixed? The, the biggest thing is like it, it's, it's really, I, I would say more than anything, the little hitch in his throwing motion, just like we saw in those clips right there. There's, there's no of that separation all the time with the upper and lower body, Mike. A lot of it is just cock the elbow and then try to make it happen with that. And it, it leads to Aaron throws all over the field. It's why even in the pro day, to me, he can't just let it go like the other guys can, where he can just let me throw by 100-mile-per-hour fastball every time because he's not quite sure where the ball is going to go. So between that elbow – and then how big and elongated his step can be to throw the football at times, those two things are, are concerning. And I got to think those are the things that, you know, other evaluators are seeing as well. You know, I saw something recently that I, I, I kind of brushed past it. But now that you've got Fields making it all the way to the bottom of the round, Bucky Brooks, who uh, does some scouting at sure. NFL.com, yeah. he, he, he believes – the Ravens should get Fields and let Lamar Jackson walk away. Be it, make him the first guy that you say, "Hey, you know what? Long-term contract. Sorry, we're fine with five years. We're 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 just gonna we're gonna reload at the quarterback position." That was an eyebrow thought. raiser for me. It's an interesting um, thought. It's gonna be a hell of a thing to work out a contract for Lamar Jackson. Number one, he doesn't have an agent. What does he want? What does he want? 
and you know, and uh, how much of an investment do you make in a guy that even though he hasn't been injured yet, that style of play at yeah. some point could catch up to him. But I, I, I just I, I I've seen that, well, and I hadn't really paid attention to it. But as, see, as I don't you like that right falling, there. Yeah, you got twenty seven and thirty one. Yeah, and you got the Ravens having two two cracks at it. I, I'm intrigued by what Brooks is saying. It, it's an interesting thought. Now, now here, this is what I don't like about you know th this motion there. Just to, and, and there's a lot of pictures out on the internet to to show different positions Justin Fields throws, and I go, you're not going to see top flight throwers be in this position a whole lot. But it's just so elbow oriented, and that's where it gets him in trouble a little bit. The arm becomes floppy. But Mike. You know, help me understand what it does. I mean, is it is it he holds it too long and the defensive backs are going to get a jump? Well, one, on it, it is know? a little bit of a jump, and then two, it's just like too much of a moving part to where it just hinges on the elbow, and you wouldn't see that disconnect maybe with a Brady or a Rogers or anything like that. They don't get it up to here and then just let the arm flop. It all comes together as one and connected to their body. Fields' arm almost acts like an independent contractor at times. And that would be like when we say, hey, he's throwing all arm. Yeah, there's too many throws where he throws it all arm. And that's what makes him a really less than average short ball thrower because there is no technique involved. He tries to figure, oh, I'm going to throw it short and soft. Well, let me make my motion long and soft. And that's not really the proper thought either. It leads to a lot of errant throws all over the place that way. So uh, that that's the big issue with it, Mike. And Mike, that thought about Bucky, Bucky Brooks, like, it got me intrigued, actually. You know, if you're going to get a running quarterback and play that style of football, you almost view him as a running back to a degree. You know, do you start to think that way? Like, hey, we'll get the next running quarterback in here and continue to play this style of play. We don't think this quarterback can run and do this all forever. Uh, it's an interesting thought, nonetheless. I don't think they'll have the guts to do it, but it might be something like a few years from now somebody finally does. And have him at the bottom of round one, too, where you get a much lower contract yeah. than if you take a top five right. guy. One last thing on the Justin Fields throwing motion. And I think I know the answer to this, but there may be some people who are confused because we praise Patrick Mahomes for being all over the place. Right. It's different, though. It's different. He, he makes let it his, work. He He's accurate. Well, he doesn't let He's his accurate. arm get to this position and then just yeah. let it be like this, right? He's He's like this. But when it comes to throwing, it all comes together with his body, right? It all comes there together. Where Fields, it's here, and then it's cock the elbow, and then go, go gadget arm, right? And that, that's where, you know, Mahomes has mastered the perfect technique, and now that allows him to go, wait, I got it. I'm the man. I've already per I, I perfected the driver down the middle of the fairway. Now I'm going to lurk on, you know, draws and cutting the ball and doing those type of stuff to where he can, you know, do whatever he wants. And that's what I mean by the sidearm stuff and the awkward deliveries and all that, if that's a good analogy. Hundred bucks says you slice it into the woods. <laughs> all right. Uh, I was watching Caddyshack the other day. Um, okay. Let's take a break. Speed round and maybe a little more from Chris's mock draft. Uh, will fans be happy or sad if his pick come true? We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. 
But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Today's speed round is brought to you by Verizon, and let's get to it. The Chris Sims mock draft from the perspective of how some of these picks might be received, Chris. And let's start at selection number 12. The Eagles traded down from six. Cornerback J.C. Horn. I think Peter King has the same guy going to the Eagles as well. A lot of people do. Word association, what is the Eagles fan reaction if that happens? I think they're going to be, like, happy. They're going to be like, man, look at this guy, this big physical freak corner. We need help there. You know, that was one where, listen, I don't love J.C. Horn, the player. I don't. But there's just too many people that got him linked to the Philadelphia Eagles. And for them, for again, they're going to run a Seattle type of scheme a little bit. He fits that as far as the mold of that type of corner rather than one that's going to lock down people one-on-one. So, you know, fans, everybody thinks the seam, he's awesome. I'm in the minority here. I think there's going to be a good reaction with it. First of all, I don't think Eagles fans and happy – I don't think that coexists right now. (laughs) They're not going to be happy until they get another Super Bowl because they they got a taste of one and they want more and they want them now. Um, And, look, I think that that they'll be like, okay, all right – that's that's what everyone's expecting. Yeah. Let's see if the guy right. can play, and let's see if we can address some of these many other needs we have later in the draft. I think the, the astute Eagles fan would be hoping for a trade down Definitely. and more picks because they have so many needs to address. Yeah. The big thing is, right, Mike, uh, like, who's the trade up for? That's the thing I think that we're going to get into this. Like, A lot of teams are going to look to trade down, but we know there's lack of marquee superstar players in this draft. So I, once you get past 10... I don't know who everyone's trading up for. It's like a nice talk and thought and everything like that, but it's a limited amount of players. And I think that's kind of one of the things I'm interested to see, you know, Thursday night. Well, on Peter King's formulation, Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, makes it all the way to 15. And we talked yesterday that 10 to 10 to 15 range would be the sweet spot for somebody yes. who loves him right. to say, I'm going to go get him. That opens the door. Yeah, a lot of people want to trade down. You got to find a team that is in love with a prospect that thinks he's going to be a huge difference maker and that sees him slide into striking distance and they mobilize just like that to go get it. You're right, because other than that, the trades aren't going to happen because everyone is trading up for a specific player when the trade-up happens during the draft. All right, what will my reaction be if the Vikings take USC's Elijah Vera Tucker at number 14? Uh, who writes these? Your best friend, Matt Casey. I mean, <laughs> so, so what's what's your Viking? Right. What's Viking super fan Florio? What's the reaction if you take all offensive for, line there? 
first of all, I am not a super fan. Oh, baloney! I hate I hate all teams equally, and I hate you even more. Uh, hey, you know the thing about the draft is everyone wants the sexy skill position fantasy football pick. The guy whose jersey you're going to want to buy. No one's going to want to buy an offensive lineman's jersey, but you need, as I said yesterday, infrastructure to let the other guys operate. Kirk Cousins needs the infrastructure. They got rid of Riley Reef. I don't know that Ezra Cleveland's the answer at left tackle. And you need the guy that can do the the Kubiak. They traded one Kubiak for the other. Clint is going to be running the offense. Right. It's the same scheme. You need somebody who can come in and help that offensive line be better. And that's where the Vikings have focused in the first round yeah. in recent years they, they, and, and second round. They're trying to make that offensive line better because they don't have a Patrick Mahomes who can run around all day long and buy time. The offensive line buys the time for their quarterback. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the the way they play is it's set up by their offensive line and the ability to open up holes from Dalvin Cook. That's really that's the jump off point for everything else in their offense. Everything else in their offense doesn't work so well, really, when they can't do that. So uh, Vera Tucker, you know, can be, uh, I think, is a left tackle and can play left tackle. But at the very worst, he's going to be a really awesome guard for a long time. So I don't think there's like, you can't miss with him, in my opinion, as far as what he can do for the Vikings offense line. But like, well, let me ask you this, Mike, just as a, the super fan that you are of the Vikings. Would you shut uh, up? Would you, would you be mad, though, if like, you know, Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, like those type of guys, edge pass rushers. Would you rather have that on your football team right now than the offensive line? I, I think the Vikings have a greater need right now at pass rusher than they do at offensive line. Although they, they've got so much invested in Kirk Cousins financially, they have to make that work. $35 million fully guaranteed salary next year. They've got to make that work period. So I think that's the way it's going to go. And then they'll try to find pass rushers later in the draft. Uh, despite the fact that it is a greater need right now. All right. Giants fan reaction. If gay, if Dave Gettleman, the GM of the team who never trades down, the giants haven't traded down since 2006. What's their reaction. If they trade back and get the Penn State edge rusher Jason Owa. I mean, I'm a big fan of Jason. Uh, uh, I think it's I think it's Oway. I believe Oway Owa. Uh, yes. Yeah, I know. Hey, no, we'll no, we'll get it when he gets lots of sacks in the NFL. Look, look, I'm I'm a huge fan of this player. Now the big thing is, Mike, is he didn't get a lot of sacks. Sacks aren't that easy in college football. First off, I mean it's RPOs, it's read option, it's screen, it's screen, it's screen. I mean you could go 15 drop back passes where the quarterback doesn't really drop back to let a pass rush get to him so that's where I think that's misleading and for me again he might not be my favorite pass rusher in the draft but he's a freak of nature there's true edge need there for the New York football Giants and and I just believe it's the type of player that the Giants and the Patriots would believe in to be an edge guy they believe in length uh, when it comes to those edge guys, especially the New England, Joe Judge, Patrick Graham. So that's where I don't think a quitty pay is their type of player on the edge. I think they would favor an away who's more of like a Leonard Floyd, who, again, not a sack master, but I'd take Leonard Floyd on my team any day of the week. He's one of the best edge defenders in football, and I think away can be a lot like him. Yeah, and, and hey, when the Giants have been really good in recent years, I've said this time and again, great offensive line, great defensive yes. line. It's easy to get caught up in the skill position players, but it's the line on both sides that make a team 
great. You can have plenty, and, and there are plenty of great skill position players throughout the league, and they will continue to be. The difference is going to come from how well you can block on offense and how much chaos you can create on defense yeah. for those great skill position players. What will Aaron Rodgers' reaction be if, as you've projected, the Packers take Florida receiver Kadarius Toney at number 29? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I would hope he'd be really damn happy. And, I mean, again, this is, a, I think, a need for this football team, another playmaker on the offensive side of the football, definitely. I mean, could they be in the middle linebacker conversation? Maybe if there's one there, but I think really all the first round linebackers are going to be off the board by the time they pick. You know, so that that's where you know I came away with Green Bay going. All right, yeah, I know they could maybe use an offensive lineman. I'm not sure if there's it's that desperate. And Tony is like I don't. He's Tyreek Hillish. You know, he's not quite as fast as Tyreek Hill. No human is, but it, it's it's that type of player, Mike, to where. You know, I think Green Bay could use him as their their Debo Samuel, right, in the 49ers system. The speed sweeps, the toss reverses, the the occasional actual sweep and have people blocking him that way. Hey, play action pass. Oh, backside slant, Kadarius Toney. He's one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, man, he's running like his hair's on fire through the middle of the defense. That's the kind of guy he is. He's a weapon who could use a little more polish at receiver, but he's too freaky for me to think he gets out of the first round. So I'm going with Green Bay taking him. He better be happy. I hope so. Would Rodgers rather have your guy from North Carolina, De'Ami Brown? That, that's, I, that's like, I love De'Ami Brown, and I like him more than Kadarius Toney. The, the only thing I would say is, you know, he's a little bit – they have a Marquez Valdez-Scantling who is that deep guy, take the top off the defense. So I just wondered, hey, yeah, he's not as good as De'Ami Brown, but – my logic was like they need to find a different type of guy to round out, you know, the receiving core. That was kind of my logic there. But I love me some Deami Brown, and I don't think it's far fetched to think he does squeeze in at the end of the first round. I just can't help but wonder whether the Packers, with those receivers that are going to be there, just like last year, you know, you you crank the finger on Aaron Rodgers as you continue this awkward tug of war and back and forth. Last year they didn't draft a single receiver, so we'll see if they. They get somebody either to help Aaron Rodgers now or Jordan Love in the future when the draft rolls around in just two days. Let's take a break. When we return, a draft focused on the war rooms that we'd most like to be in this year for the draft. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Pro Football Talk is brought to you by Verizon, built right for business. And I tell our players all the time, the two most compelling words in the draft report is and and but. All right, so they read the player, and I'll take a defensive back. All right, he's got quick feet, change of direction, good long speed, and he's a good person. He was a leader on the team. He graduated from school. Coaches loved him. Read the same player, but he had a positive drug test. I had a domestic violence incident with his girlfriend, got in a fight to borrow him as a freshman. Strength coach said he wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire. Uh, who, who, who do you want on your team? And or butt. <laughs> oh, boy. He's amazing. He 
He's uh, amazing. He's, he's right, though. He's he's, he's right. He's uh, yeah. He's right. He's the snarkiest West Virginian I've ever seen. That's for sure. He's even up to you. He's snarkier than you. That's hard to do. He saved that that hammer for the very end. And, that was and good. really sold it. That was very well done by Nick Saban. All right, draft rooms that we most like or would like to be in, as the case may be, on draft day twenty twenty one. That is today's topic. Chris, you have a trivia question for me to determine pick number one. Running backs in the first round, Mike. Running backs in the first round. Can you name the last three first round running backs drafted by your team, the Minnesota Vikings? First round round. You can do this. It's not crazy. It's all within the last thirty years. Yeah, no, I think I got it. Uh it's Adrian Peterson. He's the most recent. Right. 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 Uh, Robert Smith before yep. that. Yep. And then Chuck Foreman. Nope. Sorry. Damn it. Uh, last missing? 30 years. Remember, I told you, you didn't listen to me. That's yeah. usual. Yes. Michael well, Bennett. I never listened Michael to you. Bennett, 2001. Michael Bennett, 2001. Yes. Michael Bennett. Deuce McAllister was sliding down the board. That's who the Vikings wanted. The Saints took him, and then the Vikings took Wisconsin speedster Michael Bennett, who ran like a 4 oh, one yeah. or right. something like that. No, it was you're, great. You're he not a, a foot super injury. fan. You're not a super great. fan. You just know every draft of I, that team, I, right? I, I just, yeah, well, yeah. I got the trivia question wrong. <laughs> I, I, got the, I clearly got it wrong. I'd forgotten all about Michael Bennett uh, because he got a foot injury, and uh, that was that. Okay, you got the first pick. Draft room you'd most like to be in this year? Well, I, okay. I mean, there, there's some good options here. There definitely is one. I, I tend to err here on the ones that, you know, got a lot of picks. I think that's where I'm going to go to here first. And I think the first one I'm going to go to that at least is really interesting to me is the Dolphins. The Dolphins sitting at, sitting at number six, of course, have the pick at 18, have another pick towards the top of the second round. So there's going to be a lot of action there for them to make moves, do things like that. I'd love to hear the dialogue at six if it's like, you know, it, it, depending on what, what receivers are on the board, all of those type of things, right? You know, at pick 18, they're in a spot too where with the other picks they have, they could trade up a few picks, trade back a few picks. There's just so much flexibility. So I kind of find the Dolphins the most intriguing one. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. All the time we've spent talking about with the 49 I already know what's going on there. You don't want to be there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I want to see I want to see the reactions, the body language, right. the subtle eye rolls. I would be constantly <laughs> yeah. scanning the radar. Is just oscillating like a fan, checking out everybody. How are they reacting to that third overall pick and then what else are they going to do to try to make that team better? But because of that third overall pick for the precursor, the build up as they keep it all very secret. You know, what What can I glean? And and then again, after it's done, how are they acting? How are they reacting? Plus, I mean, you know, certain things are legal in California. I'm surprised you wouldn't want to be out there for a few Oh, days. you're right. I mean, sign me up. Let me go. Come on. Here we go. Um, yeah, I, I listen, I thought about them. I did. We've talked about it so much. And it, you would want to be there, though. You're right. To see the reactions of everybody. See the what the reactions of the, the scouts of the guy, you know, the guys who, you know, don't agree with the pick and all that. That would be very funny. And I, I've gotten to see that a little in New England, which was uh, interesting to see too. All right. The next one for me, I, I, I think I'd want to go to Jacksonville. Yeah, it's the number one pick. I get that. But again, it's all the other picks too that added to the fact of I'd kind of want to see Urban Meyer in his first draft and what, you know, the whole – the whole situation is like for him, how he handles it, what's his dialogue like with Trent Baalke, all of that. 
you know, how they interact with Shad Khan, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think this has been a bit of a, a culture shock for Urban Meyer. Not that he hasn't handled it, you know, really well, but like he said, I mean, he, he said free agency was different. He wished things were, could be tweaked that way. Uh, I, I'd be intrigued to see one of the greatest college coaches of all time in his first NFL draft. Very underrated storyline, too. The fact that Trent Baalke and Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan coach that Urban Meyer beat every time he played him, hated each other. Never talked to each about other. That. Despised right. each other. And now Balky <laughs> is together. Urban Meyer's right hand. <laughs> That's man. great. Let's see how long they go until uh hey, by the way, tell your dad I said hi. All right, next one for me. <laughs> yes. Screw you, Jim. New England New England <laughs> New England Patriots. I gotta be there. When are they ever going to have 15? When have they had 15? When are they going to have 15 again? Are they going to try to trade up? And what's Matt Patricia doing now? He's like doing all these different jobs. He doesn't have a title. He's doing all this stuff. He's negotiating contracts. He's making phone calls. Who's really there as the right-hand man for Bill Belichick? I think if you're in that draft room, you're going to see that Matt Patricia is a lot closer to the Nick Casario role than maybe anyone else currently in that building would be with all that talk about the things Patricia's doing. Not really a coach, more of a GM. And Peter King said when the Rams interviewed Patricia to be the head coach, they came away from it thinking that guy would be a hell of a GM in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I hear you there. I mean, it's it's the Patriots. You'd always like to be in their room. I mean, I worked there, and I still wanted to be in the damn room. I was on the outside of the room. Having no clue, but I mean, anytime Bill Belichick is talking about football, I want to hear because there's going to be deep rooted, smart logic in that conversation. And you're right. It's always interesting to see kind of the pecking order. You don't know how things work in New England. Nobody really does. I mean, nobody, the people that work there don't really know how it works. I think that's part of the reason a lot of them don't succeed when they leave sometimes because they're like, I don't really know what went on to make those decisions. I was always on the other room doing what I had to do. So uh, I think there's something to that. I would love to be there. One thing, one yeah, thing. Yeah. I think, uh, one thing I would love to have seen nine years ago. Right. The year that you were there for the draft. Right. When Bill Belichick and Burge Nigerian are meeting, and Burge has the list of all the people who may or may not be invited into the draft room, and they say Sims, the Belichick. <sighs> God, no. <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the Belichick, just the classic. Oh, right. Let me just roll tell his you, eyes and shake that, his head. <laughs> that was so not possible of happening. That never even got to that conversation. They knew I was already you weren't even on the list. list. I wasn't you weren't even, even on, the, on list. the list. That list right. in there is a short list. Let me just tell you. It's like four people and the Kraft family. That is all that's in there. And everybody else is just a spectator. So I'm surprised the crafts get in. Yeah, they do. They get in. Yep. They got the money to, to do it. So they're allowed to. Um, I'm going to go with the Ravens as my last pick. You know, I know the Jets got a lot of picks and are interesting. Howie Rosen and the Eagles are interesting, too. But I think with the Ravens making this big trade, you know, and just how they orchestrate the end of the draft, I think would be interesting to be involved in that. You know, I have such great respect for their ability to scout players and build a team and do all of that. It's a weird year in the draft. There's not a lot of high-end talent that will be there to be available at the end of the first round. I, I would love to just see kind of their thoughts. What's Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh talking about? You know, And, of course, they are, they're a trade-down possibility too. So I'd, I'd be all in favor of, of having a front-row seat to that. I'll say Cowboys first, preliminarily, if it's Jarrah. on the yacht. But assuming it's not on the yacht, yes. I, I'll, go, I'll go with the Panthers. Uh, I'm, I'm just intrigued by this yeah. dynamic between Matt Rule, Scott Fitterer, 
David Tepper, you know, and they're going to be maybe calling up to trade north or getting calls to trade down. And how do they how do they parse all that out? And, and you know, the chaos theory we talked about earlier, if Mac Jones ends up not being the pick at number three yeah. and starts to slide right. to Sam Darnold, suddenly become a very short term option in Carolina. Yeah, I, I would think so. And then really, I mean, yeah, I, you would think that if the quarterback thing didn't happen, that they could be a really big trade down target. So uh, that would be a fun one to be involved in. All right, got to go. Quick break. More PFT Live right after this. You know, Chris, we're talking to Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, in a little while. We'll be on tomorrow's show. And peel back the curtain a little bit. I'm trying to decide whether to ask him how pissed off he is because he should be that that 166 got out when he went to Indianapolis for the medical check. You go to a doctor's office, they tell you to get on a scale. You just assume certain things aren't going to make it into the public domain. I don't know that I want to go that that route with him. Yeah. This is a happy week. but But if I was his father brother cousin friend agent anyone i'd be pissed off that that got out i'm with you especially if you're not expecting that to be you know public consumption there's no doubt about that so i know i mean i'm doing the interview with you i want to ask him too i don't want it to be a negative nancy type of interview but you know yeah we're pro player and it it does piss me off sorry manchester yeah so we'll see i i, I might have to ask him <laughs> I think we gotta do it well, you'll see that tomorrow. See if we ask him that question. Tune in tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for your time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.